Congratulations to Paul Swan, host of The Drive, for capturing the prestigious 2024 West Virginia Broadcasters Association Excellence in Broadcasting Award for Best Talk Show. Tune in to Paul during your drive home weekdays at 5.06 p.m. on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. It is Monday, August 14th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan, back in the chair again. Load management is over for the time being, so we are now hitting the ground running. The text line is open. It's 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Got some comments from Coach Huff from over the weekend. We're going to get to here in just a few minutes. So looking forward to hearing from him as, again, football practice continues. Fall camp had a chance to catch up with Coach after activities on Saturday and his post-practice, post-scrimmage, post-camp comment section of the day. So we'll get a chance to hear from him just a little bit later on. But as I mentioned, get your phone calls and text in. We do that when I have a producer. We'll take your phone calls. It's just me today. So I'm directing you to the text. It's 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. So are we more excited now? We're just a couple of weeks away. We're actually getting closer now to football season. You had preseason football Across the weekend, NFL, anybody follow along with any of that? I regretfully did not follow the Bengals. I figured at this point, this isn't the Bengals team that I'm going to see on game day. I'll wait. This is the evaluation period, getting some reps for people that might make the team. I thought, okay, I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to avoid that a little bit. I did listen to it a little bit, but... I didn't go all in yesterday and the day before with any of that. I'm going to wait here when I think it really matters. Your mileage may vary on that, but the Bengals and the Packers, I didn't get anything out of that. I was happy to hear and see that Joe Burrow was doing activities other than playing in the game, so I think he's going to be fine. I'm not anticipating him being out, but you got to be careful there with your star quarterback, but... We'll hear from Coach Huff on the Marshall front. We'll do that here in just a few minutes. And we've got some other things to get into today. Yesterday was a baseball day. The Reds and Pirates split a day-night doubleheader. The Bucks won the first game 4-2, to and then the Reds won the nightcap in 10 innings 6-5. to Pirates are in New York taking on the Mets this evening. 7-10 is going to be first pitch. We've got it for you right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. The Reds have the day off. Tampa Bay fell to the Guardians 9-2 yesterday. The Guardians have the day off. And keeping up with the Charleston Dirty Birds, they beat High Point 3-1. Dirty Birds have today off, and they open up a road series at Staten Island on Tuesday. Some sad news to report before we continue. Former Marshall basketball assistant coach Henry Dickerson passed away. He was 71. If you remember Dickerson, he was part of the Marshall coaching staff that was led by the late Rick Huckabee. That squad led to three Southern Conference titles and two NCAA tournament appearances in the 80s, as well as an NIT appearance. Dickerson was later 
head coach at Chattanooga from 89 to 97. So I wanted to acknowledge that because for a lot of herd basketball fans, that was the moment. Now, Marshall basketball was pretty strong in the early days. And when I say the early days, I mean when I was born, 70s, 80s, 80s really got going. And for a while, Marshall was a program that got a lot of national attention because of that success in the Southern Conference. And getting back to the NCAA tournament a few times helped winning the Southern Conference. And there were some great battles, especially during the Southern Conference tournament. I mean, it was a different beast back then. I don't know if this happens now, but I can remember in high school, listening to the radio, I had a Walkman. And of course, if you don't know what a Walkman is, it's like an iPod. And if you don't know what an iPod is, it's like your phone. It played music. Put a cassette tape in if you don't know what this is. And it also had a radio built in. I know, crazy, right? A radio. You could take a tape player and a radio with you and attach it to your side, your belt loop. It was crazy. It had headphones. And I can remember stashing one of those away in my bag. And I would have an earpiece, and I'm just listening to the Marshall game. And we're in a class where supposedly we're watching a film. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm just discreetly listening to the game. I wish I remember which game it was. It might have been one of the games where Skip Henderson went off. I need to go back and look at that just to make sure. But it was a game in which Skip Henderson went off on. And people let me get away with this in class. The teachers were letting me get away with this. They knew what I was doing. They, I wasn't as slick as I thought I was. Maybe I was, or maybe I was a little bold and brazen. I don't know. But I get, I'm getting like, hey, what's the score? What's the score? I, Skip's got like 20, 30 points. Really? Yeah. So I was, I was informing people back then, listening to the game, because Huck's Heard was a big deal. Henry Dickerson was a big deal. That squad, that coaching staff was, was a big part of me becoming a Marshall basketball fan as a, as a youngster, as a child. I mean, I, like, really, I'm not a child in high school. But, you know, this was, this was a big deal. There were times where in school, again, in junior high and high school, in school, more so in high school, we could count on certain teachers having AV equipment in the studio or the lab or the classroom, wherever we were at, just depending on what class it was. And we're watching the NCAA tournament games in the afternoon. We're watching. Marshall is playing. It's an afternoon game. It's during school time. We're watching the game in school at dear old Huntington High. And I think before that, we were doing that at Kamak also. I don't think you can do that today. I don't think that's happening today. I don't think they're letting you get away with that. I don't think you're going to classes today at Huntington High. Maybe you are. I don't know. Somebody tell me. I don't think you're going to classes and expecting to see the Marshall game on. Now, granted, Marshall's got to get back to the NCAA tournament to get that tradition going again. But, you know, growing up in the 80s, that was a thing. The Southern Conference Tournament, you could watch that. You could watch that on over-the-air TV. That was cool. Remember Bob Bowen, former sports director at WSAZ, he would do a lot of those games. Dan Shoemaker was with him. They would do those games. That was cool. And you get to watch that stuff. And that's how big Marshall basketball was. We're in school, but yet, no, this is important. We want to watch Marshall. 
So we're watching Marshall basketball during instruction time. I don't think that happens today. If there's like an afternoon, are they stopping classwork for Marshall and the Sunbelt tournament? I don't think they're doing that. And that's how big of a deal it was back in the day, especially with Rick Huckabee, with Henry Dickerson. Those guys were important. Martial basketball was important. And I'm not saying martial basketball isn't important, but it was at a different level. For those of you that were there and remember, you know. For those of you that weren't there, it was just something else. You could guarantee people were talking about Huck's herd and the thundering herd to the point where it was okay to stop high school and junior high coursework and a lot of classrooms to watch the game. Or we had it on. Like Maybe we're doing something else, but we, we had it on as well. We were allowed to watch that, and that was really cool. And again, some classrooms you didn't have that opportunity, so there I am with, with the headphones, the Walkman on, and I'm watching the watching the uh, film that we're supposed to be watching, and I'm listening to the game at the same time, and I'm kind of, it's like, okay, let it, you can get away with it. Let, you, what's the score? Just tell us the score, Paul. Those were great times, and I appreciate everything that Coach Huckabee did for Marshall and what Coach Dickerson did for Marshall. I appreciate those guys. They made Marshall basketball exciting and fun. I remember in junior high, during gym class, just playing basketball, because, of course, during gym, gym class was a joke. I'm going to be honest with you. It's just goofing around the gym, playing pickup basketball. Gym class was not really, it was not what it probably is today. But I can remember in gym class, you're, you're playing basketball and somebody would come down and, hey, I'm Jeff Battle. That's what that meant. I don't think anyone was doing that a few years ago. Maybe they were. I don't know. Maybe somebody was playing uh, pickup basketball and coming down, the, coming down the lane and like, I'm John Elmore. Basketball was something else back in the day during those Hucks Herd era during those teams, and you know why. Coaching staff had three, with with Dickerson on the staff, three Southern Conference titles, two NCAA tournament appearances in the 80s, an NIT appearance. By the way, that NIT appearance, that was at the Henderson Center. I opted to go to Charleston to see Huntington High. Huntington High was in the state tournament. And so I made the decision. I wanted to go to the Marshall game, but I made the decision. You know what? Marshall will play again. I expect them to do well in the NIT. So I'm going to go to see Huntington High. I'm going to see my school win. And by the way, they did win in 1988. They won the state championship. So I picked the correct game only because of the fact that Huntington High won and Marshall lost. But that's how big of a deal basketball was back then. I'm acting like it was like this long lost period of time here. And I think that's where a lot of frustration comes in for a lot of longtime fans to have those golden days again. And I don't know if you can get that exact golden era back, but how cool would it be if Marshall can get it together and next thing you know in basketball, you're winning conference tournaments almost yearly. You're getting to the NCAA tournament on a regular basis. You're winning games like that, generating that excitement because – before Marshall was doing all of that, of course, it helped that also the Henderson Center was brand new then. So there was an excitement around the program. You know, you brought Rick Huckabee in. There was excitement around the program. 
new facility would do that, but not at the level of which Marshall was winning tournaments, getting into the NCAA tournament, NIT bid there, community was all into it, and then after Rick Huckabee, it just went downhill for a long time. Our text line is 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. We'll hear from Coach Huff when we continue on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Our text line is 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Welcome back to our Monday edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. From our text line, when I was in the fourth grade, my teacher had me stay in the classroom during recess and give him updates on the Big East tournament over a walkie-talkie. That's one way to do it. Texter adds, and when I taught for a bit at Huntington East, I showed a couple of herd games from the CUSA tournament to my classes. That's good education right there. That's good education. I'm okay with that. So I'm glad that still goes on, or at least that went on. I mean, it's just, what, a couple of days? We can all get into that. I can remember we go to the auditorium and do things like that sometimes. Hey, you want to watch the game? You can come to the auditorium. That's what it meant. Back in the olden days, right? But I love that. Updates on the Big East tournament over a walkie-talkie. Now we can just text it. I guess with the proliferation of smartphones and iPhones and Android devices and whatever device you have, do we really do we really need that? And, of course, you know, there's Twitter as well. You can just look at your Twitter feed. I'm sorry, X. I'm still not transitioning to that just yet. Your Twitter slash X feed. There's just something about, hey, I get to watch the game. I'm here at school. I get to watch the game with other people. We were all into it. Or I'm listening to the game on the radio. We get to listen to the game as it's happening here. I'm not sitting there refreshing my feed. I'm actually listening to the game real time. And, of course, people would lean over to me. Hey, what's the score? I can remember now we're going back to 1991 or two. I'm going to say... I must say 92, maybe. I was working at a local department store, and in my job at this local department store, it was a it was a national regional chain. It was Hills. I worked at Hills. I was seasonal help. If you know what that means, you know what that means. I was seasonal help. I I was the guy that I had a red coat. I had a red hat and had a red coat. And I got to sit in a big chair and I get to help parents figure out what their kids wanted for Christmas. That was a great job. We'll leave it at that. And there's a photo, by the way. There is a photo of that. I would have the radio on, absolutely listening to the radio. And I was still at Marshall, so I was listening to the student radio station because I was at the student. I worked at the student radio station. I was listening on WMUL, and I would listen to the 1AA playoffs And I couldn't go to some of those games because, well, I had to work on Saturday. So I'm listening to the games, and I'd have parents come up to me and go, hey, um," because, again, we didn't have smartphones in 91, 92. It's like, hey, what's what's the score? And they would use my, my code name. They would ask, all right, if you get kids in the car, I'm sorry. 
they would ask Santa what the score was. So Santa would give the score. And that's another instance of people just like dying to know what was happening here for this thing. By the way, I did not miss the national championship game. Maybe I should. Well, you know what? I think the statute of limitations um, is over on this. Um, Paul got miraculously injured. Paul got injured right before the national championship game. It was crazy. It, it prevented me from doing my job. I couldn't. I couldn't be the. I couldn't be the guy anymore for the last two or three days. I got injured. I, I mean, it wasn't workers' comp or anything. I just. I got. I got injured. I. I, I don't know how it happened. But it's prevented me from missing the national championship. Well, no, it actually didn't. That was the beauty of it. I got injured, air quotes here, injured, couldn't do the job as Santa, and I guess I'll go to the national championship game. Yeah, so I wasn't, no, I wasn't missing that for anything. 92? No, I wasn't missing that. Crazy? Was absolutely not missing that. And I didn't, and they won. It was great. It was a beautiful thing, so I don't regret it at all. 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. That's the number to be a part of today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN, 94.1 and AM 930. Okay, and I haven't given you all the completes or everything. I might save that for memoirs or something, but I don't think too many people's stories can can top that. Maybe you do. I don't know. I challenge you. I want to hear those stories. But I left on good terms because... They asked me to come back for a few years to be the the designated Santa at the department store. And this is even after the injury in which I couldn't finish out the term. I mean, look, Santa had to go he had to go to back to the North Pole. Had to get all those presents ready. Look, he was busy. It just fueled the illusion, right? But yeah, that was how important Marshall football was back in my youth. I had a, a pretty decent gig here, and I know I'm I gotta be at the one double A national championship game. I'm sorry. Uh I I can't be nobody was gonna be at the department store that day. Sorry. Everybody is gonna be either watching that game or at that game. And pretty much I think that was the, the case. Everybody was either at that game or watching that game. 304-396-Talk, 304-396-8255. More of your text coming up. We'll hear from Coach Huff when we continue on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to our Monday edition of The Drive. Paul Swan, your host here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Our text line is open. It's 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Had a chance a couple days ago to catch up with Marshall football coach Charles Huff. He had a media availability on Saturday, so I went over to the Shuey building to talk to coach and kind of get an idea of what the what the camp's looking like so far. And He's been pretty pleased with everything up to this point. He had a lot to say on Saturday. He did say that everything out there felt really good. I thought organizationally was really good. I thought tempo and management of personnel and the simple things was really good. Uh, we made some decisions to kind of evaluate the back half of our roster. Um, I think we found out a lot about our team today. Um, the guys who consistently in practice try to do what we ask them to do from a process standpoint, from a 
culture standpoint, from a fundamentals of technique, from a um, you know effort and energy standpoint, those guys did some good things. Um, the guys who really don't understand why or how, um, those are the guys that showed up with some of the mistakes. Uh, the beauty of it is, um, you know, an error on film is a great opportunity for you to learn because you actually see it. It's different when the coach says, hey, if you do this or you don't do this, this is going to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, coach, I got it. Um, then the same thing. If you do what you're being asked to do and you see it on film and it works out for you, hey, this technique, this fundamental, this discipline, uh, this works. Um, it's going to give me an opportunity to be successful. So I thought it was a really good day. Obviously, you know, no major injuries, which was really good. Uh, we probably went as about as many plays as we played in the game today. That was kind of the goal. The next two that we have will kind of be throttled down a little bit. Um, so I thought it was really good. Saw some good things from the quarterbacks. Um, saw some good things from the runners. Um, defensively, some guys made some plays on the ball. Um, got some turnovers. Um, so it was really good. Really good. I feel good about where we are. Obviously, we're nowhere near ready, um, but we're in a good spot for the end of uh, the second week. It's a fair evaluation. You know, of course, you're not going to be ready. You're not game ready yet. you got a couple more weeks to go. But progress is happening at Joan C. Edwards Stadium. And according to Coach, there's a lot of energy. Guys are actually amped up to get out there. Why wouldn't they be? Yeah, and you, can, and you get a chance to see. You know, it's, it's amazing. Some guys come out to practice every day, and they're, you know, they're vocal, and they're energy, and they're, you know, ready to practice. And then as soon as we say the word scrimmage, it's like someone said, you know, final exam and like the anxiety like jumps up on them. And it's good to see that because what you get a chance to do is you get a chance to coach those young men through how to prepare for a game, just like you prepare for practice. You can point that out. Hey, Tuesday, you came out here and you were doing cartwheels and you were fired up, you know, in the stretch line today, you were kind of like, we said you had to take the SAT again. Like you okay. Um, but just to let them know, hey, you got to have the same type of process that you get ready in practice that you do a game. Um, so that's a good thing. The other thing is you get a chance to see some of the guys who have that ability to sustain, you know, because in practice you get, you know, a rack of four, a rack of five, a rack of six plays, and you're off. You know, rack of four, rack of five, whatever it may be, and you're off. Well, in the game, you got to kind of play the down dis distance situation. You know, you may be first down, second down, third down. Offense may get a first down. Okay, you got to reset yourself. Um, it may be first down, second down, and Offense may bust along when now you're in the red zone, so you got to flip your mind. So, have that type of flow and adjustment and situational awareness. It was good to see from some of the guys. It might be like taking a final exam, taking the SIT. You get out there. I mean, practice is is different than an actual scrimmage or a game situation, but it shouldn't be. You're doing the same things in practice. The difference is you're doing it against someone else. You're applying it against a different opponent, not the guys you see every day. So I can see where there might be a little anxiety, but at the same time, you know, what you did on Monday, if you did it correctly, what you did on Wednesday, what you did on Friday, what you did on Thursday, whatever, you know, it should apply. It should be consistent. I know that's something that this coaching staff really preaches. They're big on consistency because, you know, if you're prepared, then the game should be easy, right? The game should be easy. And speaking of preparation, there was a question asked. You know the rule changes are coming, and we're going to go over them again with you before the actual start of the season. The rule changes are coming. Tempo is going to change in the game. You're going to see less plays. Unless coaches are just running plays right and left. Run, 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 run. Get it in there. Move it, move it. You know, high tempo. Unless you see that, you're going to see – Fewer plays, not that many fewer plays, but it's going to be significant to a degree. It's it's going to be noticeable, I think. We'll just see how it plays out. But with the rule changes, 
coach was asked if, if that changed anything of what they were doing, especially in a, in a scrimmage situation where they're trying to get their team used to how they run the offense. Was there anything that maybe was adjusted to kind of get ready for that compensate maybe? Um, no, I, I've been in the NFL, so it's going to be very similar to the NFL because the rules makes it kind of like the NFL now. So we've estimated that you're going to lose probably somewhere between 15 to 20 plays a game. You know, by the time, you know, you take, you know, three or four each quarter, you know, or four or five each quarter, whatever it may be. Um, but it's not going to affect the way we kind of attack the, the plan. You know, it just makes us understand now that when we talk about tempo, we got to decide, are we trying to run tempo to get, you know, more plays run? Or are we trying to run tempo to get the best looks? For us, we're a more tempo to get the best looks team. We're not a tempo, hey, run as many plays as you can, and hopefully, you know, majority of them are good. Some teams are just rip as many plays as you can because ultimately the more plays you run, the more chances you have, um, you know, to be successful. Um, but for us, it's more of a tempo to kind of get the defense in positions where we want them to limit some of the stuff they can do because of the tempo we use. So it won't change much uh, for us, um, but it is a, a piece that, you know, we've thought about. You know, we figured maybe 15 plays, you know, maybe five, four or five plays a quarter is what we're thinking, which in the grand scheme of it, um, it shouldn't affect how we operate. Shouldn't affect how the team operates, but at the same time, it's going to be a little bit more NFL style. I like it. I'm a bigger fan of the NFL brand. I know that's that's heresy to some, but I'm a bigger fan of the NFL brand. I just like the tempo and pace of NFL football better. That's just me. College is a different beast. College is definitely a different beast. I mean, you got high-powered offenses. You have ground and pound. You have so many different styles of football being played, and, and it's different. But I think you're going to see the pacing now be – a little bit more tempo with a lot of teams. And Coach is right. There are some teams that are going to try to run tempo because they want to get as many plays in as possible. And there's others that are running a different pace because they're looking for quality looks, not not quantity. Quality over quantity. I completely get that. And, of course, with the evaluations going on Saturday especially, Coach talked a little bit more about, explain what these evaluations were all about. On Saturday... Guys that normally maybe wouldn't see the starting lineup had an opportunity to get reps, to get an opportunity to go out and be put in situations, and that was by design. Normally, your starters are going to get the majority of the reps, or at least they're going to get the lion's share, but this was an opportunity for Coach to evaluate the twos and threes. Looking for depth is really the takeaway for me. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a tough spot because everybody still needs to improve. You know, Owen Porter needs to improve. Rasheen Ali needs to improve. Um, but what we've got to figure out is, okay, who are the next group of guys and what can they do before they actually go in the game? <laughs> you know, so we know, hey, if they go in the game, this is their limitation right now. We can come back next week and practice and say, hey, here's where you are right now and this is where you got to move forward. Um, I think it's a fine balance. You know, I think with the way we do things, some of the things that we do on Saturdays, um, in a scrimmage situation, we've seen the older guys do, you know, tempo, making sure you're lined up right, making sure you get the communication, understanding that there's a play clock, those type of things. The things that we don't get to see from the back end, guys, is how do you manage first down, second down, third down, first down, second down, first down, how do you manage red zone, how do you manage third and eight after a six-play drive. Um, sometimes you don't get to see that in a simulated situation. So that's why we use Saturdays as a good opportunity um, to kind of evaluate that. If you came on Tuesday, we would rep Owen Porter probably gets close to 80 snaps a day. You know what I mean? So we just try to balance it with what we're trying to simulate on the days. 
Um, so that way you get into the season, you know, who, who's going to play for you when, you know, things don't go right. You know, perfect example, Kalen LeBourne took probably 70, 80 snaps this time last year because we weren't sure. Um, and we found out what he could do. And now we, you know, and obviously knock on wood, he had to go in in the opportunity that he probably wasn't coming here thinking, hey, I'm going to be, you know, in this position. Um, but once we knew what he could do, it put us, made us a lot more comfortable knowing, you know, that he had to be the guy. So we try to find out, you know, what guys can do. At least we know their limitations. We know where we got to try to get them to by the end of camp. And we know where they are today. If something happens and they, you know, get a little bit better when they get in the game, we know, hey, you can only play this coverage with this guy because he doesn't understand whatever it may be. Um, so it kind of helps us get a little bit more information on each guy. Coach Huff, looking for depth, evaluating what they've got, put themselves in a situation where you got somebody you can fall back on. If you need to rotate some guys in, you know who you can rotate in and what you've got back there. And finally, from Coach Huff today, he talked a little bit about the versatility, the tight end room. He's got a lot of versatility there, and he explained a little bit more about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased with, with our tight end room so far. I mean, they have grinded their way. And, and trust me, we don't. I'm not saying we got Gronk and Kelsey in there. What I'm saying is you talk about being able to watch guys improve, and they've done that each day. Um, and they're really going to allow us to be multiple on offense now, which to me kind of gets back to the, the, the flow that myself and Clinton are used to. Um, and it's going to allow us to, to take some pressure off some guys because we can be multiple, um, which to me that helps everybody. That helps the quarterback play better, helps the running back, helps the wideouts. Um, but I'm really pleased with where we are in the tight end room. We got multiple guys in there. Um, it's still a battle going on. We're going to have to make some decisions real soon about you know what guys are in the you know travel group and all that once we get to that level. But um, they've got a really good battle going on right now. Coach Huff from Saturday, and if you want to hear the complete presser, subscribe to the podcast. I've got the complete audio uploaded. All the responses, comments, everything from Saturday available now. You have to subscribe to the podcast if you want that stuff delivered to you when it hits. Search for The Drive with Paul Swan on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. we got more coming up. We'll talk soccer when we continue. Did Marshall get picked first, second, third, fourth? Where's the men's soccer team picked to finish? We'll talk about that when we continue on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 in AM 930. We're taking Paul Swan everywhere. Download or subscribe to The Drive with Paul Swan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to our Monday edition of The Drive here in ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. The text line is open 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. The Sunbelt men's preseason poll is out for soccer. No surprise here. Just because the way it finished, I think they're going to stick with this. UK, the Kentucky Wildcats. Picked first in the Sun Belt with 93 points, and they got six first-place votes. Marshall got two first-place votes and finished with 91 votes so or points. So, to be fair, that's not much separation. So, it could be anybody's Sun Belt league here. West Virginia came in third with 77 points and one first-place vote. UCF came in fourth with 68 points and one first-place vote. And then it goes like this, South Carolina, then Georgia State, and Coastal. Coastal and Georgia State are tied for sixth. James Madison's eighth. 
Old Dominion is ninth and Georgia Southern is 10th. And then, of course, the preseason players of the year and all-conference. First of all, Matthew Bell makes the preseason all-conference team, so congratulations to him. And Morris Duggan also making the preseason team. So here you go. Kentucky 1, Marshall 2, West Virginia 3, UCF. I'm happy to be in a league again where I can legitimately hate on UCF. Now, I'm not saying that the rivalry is going to be as intense as it was for football for her fans, but I'm telling you right now, if you look at just the reasons enough to be into men's soccer, you got that Kentucky thing going on. Of course, in soccer, there's a huge rivalry between Marshall and Kentucky. Then, of course, you got the in-state thing with West Virginia. And then you got those years of football angst against UCF. So you got that. And then, for me, I know it's not really that big of a rivalry just yet, but back in the day, Marshall and Georgia Southern, that was a thing for me. So they're already there. There are several matches that you're interested in. And then James Madison, I think James Madison's becoming Marshall's rival in just everything. It's, that's kind of the word on the street. How say you? Text lines 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. So you think that's fair? Kentucky Marshall, I kind of figured that's interchangeable just about. Kentucky getting six first place votes and Marshall getting two. And then one first place went to West Virginia, one went to UCF. So I'm not saying it's a definitive runaway poll here with Kentucky being the number one, but two points separate Marshall and Kentucky in order of finish as far as total points. And Kentucky only edged Marshall by two points in the tally, and they got six first-place votes. So they might not have necessarily been a lot of coaches number two. I can tell you right now they might have been six – of coaches number one, but I think four other coaches didn't put him necessarily at number two, just the way that the numbers look. I'm not going to do the math, but that's kind of how it feels to me. So Chris Grassi earlier today in a statement released by Marshall, a release on it. I love what he said. He said, preseason polls are always interesting. We have work to do to continue to improve, but as always, our goal is to win the conference We want to play better in each match, growing our effort and performance from match to math. I don't put too much stock in preseason polls, but it gives us good motivation to finish higher than we were selected and for our guys to let their football do the talking over the season to be among the awards and trophies at the end of the season. That's coach right there. We don't put too much stock in preseason polls. Not a thing for them. No. Trophies. Trust me. That's what Coach thrives on, not the preseason polls. It's trophies. Regular season trophy, if Marshall doesn't doesn't win the regular season trophy, Grassy's going to be mad. I mean, not like throwing stuff mad, but he's just going to be mad. That's going to stick with him because he wants to to win them both. And he values the regular season more from just my conversation with him. He values that regular season more because that's sort of the indicator of the entire body of work like you were the best team overall for the season because in tournaments things happen we all know this tournaments are not necessarily an indicator of the best team it's the best team at that moment or the team that got hot or the team that had a lucky break 
season, however, Coach values that a little bit more. So I like that. Of course, he's not afraid to say, look, that's going to motivate us. We don't put too much stock in that, but it's going to motivate us. So he knows that our there are six, there are six teams that said Marshall was not number one. Actually, eight. There are eight teams that said Marshall was not number one. There were two teams that said Marshall were. And, of course, you can't vote for yourself. So, technically, seven teams said you were not number one. Yeah, I remember that, too. Program like this, I'd remember that just, just a little bit more. I love Coach. Actually, I had a chance to talk to him during Fan Day. We'll try to get to that here in the future. But when I was at Fans First Day, I'm sorry. Fans First Day. By the way, that was that was all right. I don't know if you got a chance to get out to that, but that was okay. Coach had the soccer net out there. The kids were having a good time with that. I thought that was smart. I saw Coach had his setup, and the kids were taking shots at the net. And Coach looked at me and said, you want to take a shot? I'm like, no, I'm good. Absolutely no. Let's not do this here. Because, one, I didn't want to I didn't want to embarrass myself. But, two, honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I kind of felt like, no, nah, I'm not going to do this in front of Coach. Texter asks, how's our soccer athletic budget compare to UK, WVU, UCF? That's an interesting question. I would think that it might be comparable. Of course, UK has got more money as a program. West Virginia, not the school, but the athletic department has more money as a program. UCF, I'm sure they'll put some money into it as well. But I think there's a strong effort there, budget-wise. Honestly... Soccer's a, a priority. Soccer's a priority at Marshall. It might not have the football budget, but I think it has a solid budget just because, again, name a coach at Marshall that has won a national championship as the coach of a Marshall team. Not a conference title. Not a bowl game. Not a tournament game. I'm talking about a national championship as the coach of a Marshall squad. And Chris Grassi is the guy. So I think the budgets are probably going to be comparable. I mean, look, they're making investments. I don't know if you have to have a huge, you have to have a a good budget to travel and do other things. I mean, they got to go to Brazil. They're spending some money on that soccer team. That's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back with you tomorrow here at ESPN 94.1 at AM 930. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington. This is your radio home for Pittsburgh Pirates baseball, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.